OTB GAA Listen Tony oh, He scored 3-4 the last day Like I said it there During the week that, Like if you scored 3-4 in training You'd expect Michael Lee Higgins Come down the helicopter <laughs> and- <laughs> Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed Wherever you get your podcasts Off the ball Daily and you're welcome to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you as always until five. We hope you're doing all right around the country, enjoying the summer as we head into July now into earnest. And uh, then there are four teams. The All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship has reached the semi final stage. Champions Limerick playing Galway this evening at Croke Park before HQ plays host to Kilkenny and Clare tomorrow. We'll chat to Limerick's Kieran Carey and Galway's Adi Canning in the next hour. Then later on, we will speak to Kilkenny's Aidan Fogarty and Clare's Colin Ryan. The football championship really in a hot space as well. Donegal's ex All Ireland winning captain Michael Murphy will talk to us about 2.20. About the race for Sam Maguire, we'll also previewing tomorrow's minor final involving Derry and Monaghan. Ireland's under 20s play South Africa in the World Rugby semi final tomorrow. We'll look ahead to that. We'll also check in on what's happening at the Women's US Open and Wimbledon. 53106, number of your text, folks. If you're a passenger on the road to Crow, or if you want to get in touch with a comment or an opinion at a cost of 30 cent also if you'd like to tweet us you can at Off The Ball and Aidan Delaney is here with the news round Cameron Hill will be joining us in a moment as well Aidan how are you? Not too bad thanks John Hurlan Hurlan is the place to be right now Galway Limerick as you mentioned contesting the first of this year's All-Ireland Hurling semi-finals this evening it's a repeat of last year's Final Four clash the tribesmen hoping to prevent a fifth final appearance in six years for the reigning champions throw in a Crow Park for that one is at six o'clock and the curtain raiser at HQ is the All-Ireland Senior Camogie quarterfinal clash of Antrim and Tipperary I was on Ticketmaster during the week getting a ticket for Limerick and Galway this evening and it almost seems that they go around the lower deck first and then they mm. go to the upper deck in terms of making tickets available if it's not a set out. So on Tuesday, the Clare Kilkenny tickets, they were fine, but they mm. weren't halfway line. Whereas last night I, I went on and they'd opened up the upper deck and there were halfway line tickets on sale for Clare and Kilkenny tomorrow. So maybe it's a bit of a tip for anybody who's uh, in the business of that. I think they're the expecting 100,000 over the two games, over the two days. So, like, you know, that's just, it's brilliant to see. There were over 50,000 for Limerick and Galway last year, just under mm. 40 for Clare and Kilkenny. Now, Clare and Kilkenny was a Saturday evening game. It's obviously a little bit more tricky to go on a yeah. Saturday evening than it is on a Sunday afternoon, but I can't call it. I, re- I really don't know who's going to be the, the finalists because Galway didn't play brilliantly against Tipperary uh, on the scoreboard but they were clearly the better team Uh, they should have won the Leinster final Uh, there's only been a puck of the ball between themselves and Limerick the last three occasions even though Limerick could probably be more comfortable on the last two uh, matches they've played against each other are Limerick uh, coming to the end of their run there's only been a score between all of their matches this year Clare bombed out against Kilkenny last year but they've been impressive in Munster and Kilkenny have been unflashy and just got the job done so I've no idea by the time we get to tomorrow evening who's going to be the All-Ireland finalists and that's the beauty of it and I really hope you've got some swashbuckling semis to look forward to. I think certainly the, the neutrals game is the one this evening because a lot of people I think kind of Monday, Tuesday would have looked at this game and said Limerick are you know the team on the charge. Obviously they haven't been quite at the level that they have been over the last couple of years but they should still have enough to beat Galway and then the teams came out and obviously we can't really trust the team sheets we know this for the last couple of weeks but um, I think when you look at the likes of Declan Hannan being out, Gary uh, Garrett Hegarty going back into a relatively unfamiliar spot in wing back. I think that'll give Galway a bit of bit of a boost, really. I think, you know, they, they needed to get past Tipperary and, and like you say, it was kind of a better better result probably than the better performance. But um I, th- I think 
the question is are Galway better than what they showed last year in this game against what was a better Limerick side and I don't think they really have been but I think there's certainly a, an opportunity there for him I thought the likes of Keenan Fahey really really played well against Tipperary last time out it's not just uh, the, the Conor Cooney Joseph Cooney show for Galway anymore and it, I think Henry Shefflin really needs to show the manager that led Ballyhale to you know all those All-Ireland titles he needs to show something a bit more inventive to really get Galway onto the onto the scoreboard early enough because we've seen that they kind of go they kind of had these Jekyll and Hyde moments in games where they can look really really strong I know they played really well against Wexford earlier in the year and that and yes they let Kilkenny come back and, and kind of shock them in that Leinster final as well so if Galway can just be that little bit more consistent I think the, the Limerick bench isn't as strong as, as in recent years so if Galway can keep themselves in this game with about five minutes to go you might give them a chance but I still think it's probably Limerick's lose tonight I love you guys but you're not serious people I think uh, I think it's Limericks I mean you look at that half-back line of Burns uh, Kyle Hayes and Gerard Hegarty and if you're a Galway player you know you're not going to go in with any fear but well you won't admit that you have any fear but that is a fearsome half-back option and you know uh, I saw in the Independent today someone saying that you know I think it was Michael Verney actually saying that it's not really a case of robbing Peter to pay Paul for John Kiley with withdrawing Garrod Hegarty because I mean Aaron Galan is in terrific form if Keen Lynch plays he's going to be really really important in terms of their, of their attacking trust I mean go his bench you look at Tom Monaghan and Conor Hooney as you say who are on, named on the bench and who knows whether they'll start that might be a key factor for keeping them in this game but god I don't know I think it's Limerick's to lose all of their matches one score games this year Limerick mm. final one score game last year but that's Very champion final. that's champion pedigree you don't you know win the game doesn't matter if it's a blitz or a one score game they're just you're, you're bringing doing some certainty enough. to this conversation what about Clark County tomorrow then that one is harder to call. <laughs> <laughs> Very much harder, yes. <laughs> How about you? Do you, Clark Kilkenny, have you certainty around that? I, I mean, I'm, I'm a Wexford fan. I've, I've got so many bad memories of Kilkenny and I think Kilkenny get to semi-finals and they get to finals. Brian Cody won 17 of them in his time and we're going to hear from Taggy Fogarty later on. He never lost a semi-final. So Kilkenny, when they get to this stage, when they get to the bright lights of Crow Park, they just don't lose. But Clare are probably, this is probably the best opportunity they will get to get to an All-Ireland final for maybe the next couple of years. You have to think that a lot of those players will probably start to drop off a little bit. Tony Kelly is still working his magic how much can they really get out of the likes of David McInerney and John Conlon how bad were their injuries this week um, will they be able to stand up to the onslaught that will come from Kilkenny and you know it was a, a different kind of victory in a Leinster final but you know Derek Ling is just keeping them ticking over and um, I think it's Kilkenny's probably OK so we'll look ahead with uh, Kieran Carey and Ali Canning as I said about uh, 15 minutes time to the semi-finals to be live in studio with us great to have them in uh, Shamrock Rovers this isn't done yet. I mean, they're ahead and they're champions and they're probably going to win it, but it's not a foregone conclusion. No, champions dropping points in the Premier Division last night. League leaders were held to a scoreless draw away to Drogheda. Drogheda, a bit of a bogey team for Rovers as well. Got that victory over them earlier in the season. An injury time equaliser from Cork's Rory Keating, though, meant St. Pat's had to settle for a one-all draw at Richmond Park. And Will Patching's injury time penalty gave Derry City a 2-1 win over Sligo. They are now back into the title race. Bohemians came from 2-1 down to beat Dundalk 3-2 at Daily Mount, while Shelburne walloped UCD 4-0 at Belfield. 
Okay, what else do we have? Wexford Dutes uh, will play a Galway United this afternoon for a place in the first ever Avenir Sports All Ireland Cup final in the women's football. So best of luck to both teams there. And um, some troubling news from the continent: Edwin Van der Sar's condition is stable, yet still concerning after suffering bleeding around his brain. The former Manchester United goalkeeper will remain in intensive care for the time being. Dutch club Ajax, uh, where Van der Sar was chief executive until May, has posted on social media to say his family is deeply touched by the messages of support that they've received. Yeah, shocked to hear that story and obviously we wish him a speedy recovery. Um what else we have? We've got a bit of rugby news. Yeah, the Irish under-20 boss, Richie Murphy, says all the months they spent preparing for the World Championship has come down to this. His side take on South Africa in the semi-finals of the tournament tomorrow. That's after finishing first in their group phase with a big win over Fiji. The squad has been rocked this week due to the deaths of two students who are friends with many of the players, as well as the death of Munster coach Greg Oliver. And Murphy says while they've been shaken by the recent developments, they are looking to make everyone proud tomorrow producing the team to get our team performance won't change very much in relation to this game um it stuck with us i suppose all the way through the season um it worked pretty well last year so um we'll be focusing in on on, on our on our roles on our jobs um and you know we talked about getting ourselves into this position last october um so now that we're here it, we just have to be true to ourselves and play the game that we we know we can play. Um, so really concentrating on being, I suppose, you know, the best version of our team that we can be, because that's what is most important, and that's what you know. I know Jack at home and um, and and Greg would have. That's what they would have wanted. Well said by Richie Murphy there. It feels that when you look at the semi-final lineup, the Northern Hemisphere teams are in a better place than the Southern Hemisphere teams. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, when you watch, uh, people who've been watching along may have watched all three of the pool games and even though it seemed closer at half time, like I did not think um, Australia were really going to trouble Ireland at all. They did not look like a team who were confident in what they were doing. They were making some really, really silly errors um, across that game. So, you know, the baby wallabies were not were not there. They weren't at the races. I don't think the All Blacks were there either. The Baby Blacks weren't great. Um, France fairly steamrolled them in the pool stages. So, with the exception of South Africa, who are hosts, and you have to take that into account, and they're bringing through a great crop of, of young talent, it doesn't look great, does it? Um, I think uh, Matt Williams has gone on AM a good few times talking about just the sorry state that Australian youth rugby is in at the moment and underage rugby and the fact that players just aren't coming through. Um, and that is a big concern, especially when you look at what used to be the old reliable of bringing in some Pacific Islanders who would play for Australia or New Zealand. That seems to have gone by the wayside now with a lot more players going back and declaring for Tonga or Samoa or whoever um, later in the career or maybe even earlier because they seem to be putting together something good. So, I don't know. Yeah, Southern Hemisphere rugby isn't in a particularly strong place even at the top level and what's coming afterwards doesn't seem to be great either. So, for those sides, there's a lot to be concerned about. Are we going to win it? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. They haven't... I've felt, as this tournament has gone on, 
we've seen more of the under 20s Ireland side that we're used to that free scoring side that we saw in the Six Nations where you know they were just scoring for fun at cer- certain points I'd also like from a very biased Connacht perspective for Mark Sexton's uh, attacking um, strategies to really pay off and make me very excited for next season but I would like to think so. I think South Africa are a real bruising uh, team and I haven't checked the weather today but the pitch over in Parle has... <laughs> yeah, it's a different pitch obviously tomorrow. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't great so hopefully the conditions will um, line up for a bit of attacking rugby and not this stodgy stuff that we've seen but I'd like to think that whether it's Ireland, if it's Ireland-France in the final that'll be cracking and will be appointment viewing. So yeah, it's there for them but South Africa will probably be the stronger test of the two at the moment. Okay, just to let you know, folks, that Off the Ball is coming to the Cork Podcast Festival. Join us on Sunday, the 27th of August in the Cork Opera House with special guest Jimmy Barry Murphy. More guests to be announced very soon. Don't miss out on a great night of conversation and crack in the heart of the Rebel County. For tickets, go to www.corkpodcastfestival.ie forward slash off dash the dash ball. Move on some golf news. Uh, so Leona Maguire is in a tie for fifth at the midway point of the US Women's Open at Pebble Beach. The Cavan native shot a second round 74 and sits on one under par, six strokes behind the leader Bailey Tardy. We also have Anya Dunnigan uh, in the field there today. Uh, she's been really the story of the week, uh, falling back a little bit to one over par though. Yeah, and Seamus Parr, six shots off the lead of the John Deere Classic on the PGA Tour. Cameron Young, still to win on the PGA Tour, has got a two-stroke advantage on 13-under. Have you been watching much of Wimbledon, Aidan? I've tried to catch a bit of it. I've been trying to divide up my time between that and the Ashes at the minute. I'm really, really intrigued with the Ashes this year. I've really decided to sit down and, and yeah, watch we'll, it. So we'll come to that's because England are losing. Well, that, that, that does help, it has to be said. But uh, just the, the whole kind of rivalry around us, and I don't know if you saw that... that interview that's going around with Ian Botham and Ian Catherell from 45 years ago where there was a supposed glass thrown at somebody and those guys still hate each other after 45 years and that's kind of the, the what the Ashes represents but uh, the tennis has been quite interesting as well yeah So what do we got? Yeah, Novak Djokovic moving into the last 16 last night courtesy of a straight sets win over Stan Wawrinka. The fifth seed in the women's draw though, Caroline Garcia was beaten in three sets by Maria Buskova. Uh, Andy Murray admitted it'll take a while though to get over his latest defeat at the famous tournament. The two-time winner lost a five-set epic against Savannah Tsitsipas over two days. He had taken a two-sets-to-one lead against his rival but couldn't consolidate the win and the 36-year-old says he's struggling to come to terms with the performance. I don't know, to be honest. Um, I'm obviously very disappointed just now. Yeah, obviously, you never know how many opportunities you're going to get to play um, here. So, yeah, the, the defeats maybe yeah, feel feel a bit tougher. But to be honest, every year that Wimbledon's not gone, how it was like, it's been, it's been hard. Did any of the match change, do you think, given that you had to come back and play on a second day? Or, or did nothing change in your mind based on that? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I'd have to see the match again to, to see. I mean, it does change. It's different playing indoors and outdoors. It's not the same conditions. How frustrating was it, Andy, given the position you were in last night, that you, you couldn't finish the match then? Well... There's, you never know what would have happened. So, you know, the, the same result could have happened. We knew that we were only going to be able to play until 11 o'clock. So you're kind of playing to, you're kind of playing to a time. It was unlikely if there was any split sets or anything that we were going to finish yesterday. So 
we knew the the situation going going into the match and that's how it was. The third round action continuing at Wimbledon this afternoon. Top seed Carlos Alcaraz takes on Chile's Nikola Jari, while Daniel Medvedev is a game up against Martin Fukovic of Hungary. That game has just started. The defending women's champion Alina Rabakina plays a British wildcard Casey Bolter today, and last year's beaten finalist Anz Jabber goes up against the 2019 US Open winner Bianca Andreescu. To be honest, I will only tune into Wimbledon maybe the middle of next week. Um, really? Bandwagoning. Oh, no. Because I haven't really, I've been in Italy for the last week and unfortunately Wimbledon's on Sky Go over there, which I do not have access to. So I wasn't able to quite indulge as much, but I love the early rounds of Wimbledon. Do you not love the 32 court action where you're sent to court number 408? Yeah, where it, was, it used to be court number two, used to be the graveyard court. Uh, mm. you see, I suppose when, when you're so, when, when I was a young person, I watched all of this wall to wall and yeah. you, you got to be pick and choose a little bit. I watched all of the ashes and I, I'm, I'm Deeply immersed in the hurling at the moment. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like I'm like literally, if the hurling was a tank, I'd be dipped in it. <laughs> you know, so I'm just completely submerged in hurling, swimming around hurling at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and the, and the Wimbledon, I just think this, this, this what what is unappealing for me is the lack of competition and the lack of personalities. Yes. Kyrgios is not yeah. here this year. Uh, Djokovic will probably win the the cyborg that he is, and the women's game. Does he? Do you have the the, the, the the, the personality like Steffi Martina that I, maybe it's just it was a, a young person's thing but um, yeah it hasn't it hasn't captured my imagination and it only probably will when it gets down to the business end No you're right there isn't a lot of meat on the bones at the moment in terms of narrative um, but in terms of entertaining tennis there's a good bit on offer tonight's match uh, between Sasha Zverev and Matteo Berrettini will be brilliant to watch because it's such a clash of styles like as Zverev is very much an aggressive um, baseline hitter whereas Berrettini loves the tricky stuff and is a really excellent technical player. Um, It also feels like this is just, we've had a swan song now that's gone from encore to encore, where there's a lot of players who are still, you know, wrapping up their career. Andy Murray, as Aidan mentioned, out against Sitsipas and doesn't know whether he's going to play next year, which means he's probably going to play next year. Um, We've Stan Wawrinka, which is the comeback story you're not watching in that He's won three Grand Slams in his career. He seemed he seemed like it was over for him a few years ago, and he's coming back again. Um, lost in straight sets to Djokovic last night, unfortunately, but still showed a lot of what we really used to like about Vavrinka. Um, you've got Caroline Wozniacki coming back for the US Open. Uh, this year's US Open, she's not at Wimbledon this year, unfortunately, but she will be back for the hardcore season later on. So it does feel like we're still wrapping up this generation or the previous generation because just generation are in the middle and have just been skipped over because of the dominance of the big four but um, I'm hoping that maybe whoever topples Djokovic in the end that'll be it and we can draw a line under it and suddenly new generation of fantastic talents of Alcaraz and like my shout would be although it looks like it's going to be Djokovic in the final I would love a sinner Alcaraz final because that rivalry looks like it's about to butt into something really really interesting but fingers crossed you know I hope Alcaraz can get over the line this year I think he deserves it you see the headline writers when Sinner gets to the final definitely uh, Aidan so what are the details on the ashes yeah so there's no play before lunch on day three due to rain at Headingley today an early lunch will be taken at half past 12 so that is underway uh, ground staff needing 90 minutes to prepare the field once conditions improve Australia will resume eventually on 116 for four they have a lead of 100 142 runs. 
In Formula 1, Ferrari's Charles Leclerc has gone quickest in the final practice at the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. A rainy session saw Alex Albon of Williams pick up the second fastest time and Aston Martin's Fernando Alonso came third. British racer Lando Norris faces an investigation by stewards after a pit lane incident that saw a McLaren mechanic leave their designated area to solve an issue with the car and qualifying for tomorrow's race takes place this afternoon. Values Town concluding an eight-race card commencing at 5-5. to five. At Nace today, a seven-race card getting underway at 2-10. Paddington going for the Eclipse at Sandown, the Group 1 there for Ryan Moore and trainer Aidan O'Brien. Uh, the relentless march of Aidan's brilliance continues after last week's Irish Derby win. Uh, I think Australia have been much more savvy around the Ashes and England have been a bit naive, made a cock-up not to, de- to declare in the first test. An absolute mess. The first thing you, don't, you do is you don't lose. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to play to a draw, okay, you get bat for another 100 runs and then you end up, and they end up losing it. And then there's obviously the, the complaint they feel like there was gamesmanship involved in the run out the other day. But Australia's just seem to me to have a harder edge. They do, and I think they're just more comfortable with the format. And this, we've heard so much about baseball over the last few weeks, and it's it's something that when it works, it's brilliant, and it's going to be the the way to revolutionise the game. But Australia have shown that you know the traditional, the old ways can work as well. And like you said, that little bit of gamesmanship has kept everybody involved, I suppose, and kept the interest up. But um, I think the English. Uh, the likes of the Johnny Bairstow's, uh, the Joe Roots, they just really haven't stepped up in the kind of big moments. There were some huge catches there missed in the first innings there and Australia should have been out really and this heading the test was the one where England were going to storm back into it and now it looks like they're going to kind of limp to a 3-0 defeat and we're going to have two more tests where the Aussies can just celebrate so it's it's going to be fascinating to see if the English in their second innings can manage to stand up a little bit more and, and show that they are better than they have been but um, Mark Wood has been somebody I've been very interested to see in this third test and hopefully he can, he can have a, a bit more of an impact this afternoon. Yeah, in that first test, I was really surprised because when England bowled out Labuschagne so quick, I, I think it was his first first going to bat he was bowled out and you thought, oh, England are here to play. This is going to be really interesting. And it just, yeah, they haven't, they haven't played smart at all. I've been really impressed with Australia. I've been really impressed with the cricket, to be honest. I wouldn't be the greatest cricket fan in the be world. Very exciting. And to be fair to Ben Stokes and the basketball, which is a kind of almost like a an adventurous style of playing test cricket and uh, to, to kind of make it sense of it to the layperson just been a bit too been a bit too on the other side of 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 the percentages i think australia played the percentages better mm. mm-hmm. you just had something to say about the the women's team yeah yeah uh, karen duggan had a great piece today in the irish times just on reflecting upon the 3-0 defeat to france which was a very disappointing way to send our uh, team off to australia they're probably there at this stage would they be uh, half of them are flying out today okay yeah um and just reflecting on what it's told teams that it was like for playing our strongest hand um, against a team that's ranked fifth in the world. We've given away a lot of our play and not necessarily had a given a great account of ourselves. Um, now she mentions that this week between everything from dating back to last week and the squad announcement to everything else that um, there's probably been a lot um, of external factors that affected their mental preparations for this game but yeah she's calling for a lot more balance she's name checked the three Americans Sinead Farley Marissa Shiva and Kyra Carusa as players that might upset this sort of balance and nature of this team she she would like to see Diane Caldwell play a big role in these group games at the World Cup um, 
And it's very, very interesting that you would say that because I think Vera Power has been very keen having brought these players in and you would imagine that if Aoife Mannion was there she would also play a massive role um, in our style of play at this World Cup that she's so insistent on using them even if it kind of upsets the equilibrium of what this team have done and what this Ireland team is about which is dogged determination the fire in the belly type stuff and um, the aggression that we saw from players like Katie McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan the other night but maybe a few others um, so it was even though it was a 3-0 defeat it's I'm starting to get excited I know a few weeks ago I was sort of lamenting the lack of excitement and energy around this World Cup so far and now when they get in. down there it'll be a big difference because yes. they'll, they'll be so exhilarated by the fact that they're going to be playing in the World Cup in front of over 80,000 people on Thursday week against the host nation one of the first games of the tournament totally and um, the atmosphere here um, has really been helped a bit like the Australians uh, and England do no harm I think has to be the, the, the we have to be almost cautious because that's our style and I think don't lose don't don't mm. Don't throw it away in the first half against Australia because we don't want to turn into Euro 2012. But I think there's a lot of unknowns about this. We're not going to win it, but we want to do ourselves justice. We want to get out of the group. We want to give people um, that have seen this for the first time that aspiration that this this can be something in our future. You know, I think so. And I'm really looking forward to this World Cup now. I think the addition of our, um, ITV and BBC and them announcing their lineups, even though it doesn't affect us in this country as to how we can view it, because we already know um, who's going to be broadcasting. But the very fact that this tournament will be omnipresent gives it this major, major tournament feel. So if you're not excited yet, you know, stick on the Koi Gig Pod and get yourself into it. <laughs> Absolutely. Always check out the Koi Gig Pod. Aidan and Cameron, thanks so much for joining us on the news round. Coming up after the break, we're going to build up to the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship semi-finals with Limerick's Kieran Carey and Galway's Ollie Canning. Off the ball, Snatcher News Talk is back after this.